Hey, it's Adam from Splendid Sports back again for another edition, the eighth edition of Three and Three, where my guest shows three of their favorite cards in their collection and tell us why. And then we look at three cards that my guest hopes to add to their collection in the future. I'm happy to have Dom from Staven Sports Cards with me. Dom, how's it going, man? It's going great, Adam. Really appreciate you having me on. Um, I found it ironic that I was guest number eight, being such a big Carl Yastrzemski fan and us having that connection. So definitely cool for a lucky number eight. Perfect. Perfect, man. Yeah, you you were on my list anyway, uh, just because I had seen your channel before and um, you've left some some great comments on my videos, which I really appreciate. Uh, but the the official person who recommended you on their three and three was uh, he he recommended a bunch of people, but one of them was you, uh, was um, Lou Rock, Lou from Lou Rock TV. So I'm going to give Lou the credit on uh, being able to connect us and bring you here with me today. Yeah, Lou's a great guy, and I had the pleasure of meeting him in the national in person, and we kind of hit it off right away. We like a lot of the same stuff, really cool guy, and I really appreciated the kind words he had to say about me and my channel. Yeah, I mean, that's honestly the my favorite part since I got involved with the YouTube community is um, just how cool all the people are. Everyone's rooting for each other. There's no competition like you see in other areas of sports card media um, where everyone's trying to get each other. And I mean, it's just such a great atmosphere and um, great group of people. So I'm happy to be able to, like I do on most of these, this is, this is the first time that we've actually talked. So before we get into the cards, uh, I just want to ask you a couple questions, get a better idea of your um, collecting and your channel. The obvious one for me is, I think I saw on one of your videos, you said you were 22? I'm 23. Yeah. 23 now. Okay. So 23, and correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, I would say the main focus, uh, not the only focus, but the main one of your collecting is vintage baseball? Yeah, that's pretty much my wheelhouse is post-war vintage baseball. So you've probably been asked this before, but someone who's only 23, how does that happen? What what led to that? When when did that start? Give us a little background on that. Yes. Yeah, so I, I don't know if I should start getting into because I actually brought one of my three cards to kind of like talk about that. Um, okay. But it's something where everybody starts collecting whatever the modern stuff is for them, the players that they're watching on TV. For our mutual friend, Decon, Doug's channel, I did a VR talking about my Dice K rookie, which was like the first rookie that I really chased and stuff. But when you find out that a kid's collecting baseball cards, people come out of the woodwork saying, oh, like I have some cards if he wants to look through and buy some of my stuff or take what he wants. And I'm looking through a bunch of like 80s, 90s, maybe some late 70s cards. And this 1959, there it is, Marty Kao. Um, was just sitting in the box with a bunch of kind of like junk wax cards. And the color immediately like drove me to this, the beautiful color on the 1959 tops and him being a Red Sox, especially with like the old school Sox logo that I hadn't really seen on a card before. I just saw it and knew I had to have it and kind of did more research into it. And this is the first vintage card that I ever added to the collection. And it kind of just got me more interested in what was coming before because back then they did cards right there was a lot of color a lot of personality the cartoons on the back they'd include all the stats there's just so much more 
stuff to dive into with the cardboard. So a card like that is really kind of what turned me going from collecting just modern to uh, chasing the old stuff. And then I went to card shows and card shops and kind of would just pick everybody's brains as like a 11, 12, 13 year old kid. And the rest is kind of history. I've just been accumulating knowledge and adding more and more to my collection as my uh, budget has gotten bigger. So, and that, so was that card number one that you were going to show? That was, that was card number one. Yes. I didn't, uh, Hey, that was perfect. That worked out right in. Yeah. You know, uh, so that's really cool. It, it wasn't like a specific player of the past that got you into it. It was more like you just said, the look of a card, the design of a card. And that's a, what would you call that? A common player, right? Not a, not an all-star. Yeah. Yeah. He he was, he was a solid backup outfielder for the Red Sox and Senators. Uh, He had a older brother that played professional baseball. And then his son um, actually was a 18 or 16 game winner for the 1980 Oakland athletics. So he had a good uh, bloodline. I played basketball, I believe in his background too, but just a common player that had a cool story and a really nice looking card. I love it. That So now do you, do you collect other sports or is it just baseball for the most part? Yeah. So my channel is Staven sports cards because I do have a big passion for football and I love basketball as well. Uh, but those PCs are a lot smaller. I'd say that my wheelhouse is post-war vintage baseball, but I prospect for the Hall of Fame. I collect vintage and modern football of players that I like, mostly rookie cards in football. And then basketball, I kind of just stick to a handful of players that I really like when I can get their cards for cheap. And now you're New England guy. Uh, so are the teams Red Sox, Celtics, and Patriots? They are, yeah. Oh, Big Boston yeah. sports fan, but I've – been just so passionate about sports my whole life that you can turn on almost any game and I'll at least peek over at it, if not be really into it. So definitely love it. Uh, the Red Sox have not been half to a hot start. Patriots, Mac Jones is hurt with his ankle, but you know, I've been very spoiled with the championships and uh, stuff that I've gotten to see in my lifetime. Yeah. I mean, I won't, we could do a whole video on, on uh, football and Tom Brady and that whole era, but I collect Tom Brady and uh, really one of the, the, the reason why is because there's so many over the last 20 years, there was just so many great memories that um, that I had because of Tom Brady and, and that Patriots dynasty, uh, you know, Super Bowl parties and going all, all the way back to when I was in college, uh, you know, watching that first Super Bowl against the Rams and just that memory. And, and I've said it before, but. I give this might sound funny, but I give Tom Brady credit for not just the Patriots, but I feel like he changed the whole mojo of Boston sports teams. Because if you look at it after that and before that was just a bunch of losing for like 20 years or whatever. We, we didn't win anything, any of the teams, not even the Bruins. And then Tom Brady comes to town. He, he breaks the breaks that terrible streak of no winning in the in the really that the sports town or towns that um, care the, I think, care the most about their teams of any of the professional sports cities. Um, and after that, you know, the rest is history. The Celt- the Red Sox won, the Celtics won, you know, the Patriots obviously won a bunch more, the Bruins won, and now we're in a little bit of a different period. But, wow, what a run that was to be a fan of, uh, of those teams. 
No, it was, it was fantastic. And I do think that a lot of it had to do with, like you said, the Patriots finally winning and the way that Boston sports fans kind of just expect to be competitive and competing for championships. Once they started winning them, I think that it definitely kind of raised the stakes for the other teams. The Celtics formed the big three, the Red Sox brought in Theo Epstein, and Terry Francona, and the rest is kind of history. It's been a been a really good era to be a Boston sports fan for sure. Yeah, and I, I know it sounds a little crazy. Like, how the hell would you know the Patriots winning have any impact on uh, the Red Sox or the Celtics? But I really believe that just the energy of the fans that go to the games. Uh, before it was always a, a negative energy at a, a lot of the big games in Boston sports, uh, and then they the fans finally won something, uh, and. I feel like that changed a lot of the energy of the, the fans, but also the players can feel it and the organizations feel it. And um, yeah, so I won't go too, I, I'm already going too long in that, but that uh, I could talk forever about this stuff. Yeah, me too. So it's no problem here. Yeah. Well, let's go. Um, I want to ask you some more questions, but let's, yeah, sure. let's go with card number two and then we'll make our way. Okay. So card number two is, like I said, the player that connects us, I had trouble picking the other two cards at first, but my uh, 1960 tops Carly Shremsky rookie card, I showed in my first channel, uh, first video on my channel. And uh, this card, I just still can't believe that I own it. I know it's not like a crazy high dollar card, but when I started getting into vintage cards with that Marty Keo, I looked at Red Sox players first and Carly Stremski had a card in every single set in the sixties and seventies and kind of just went towards collecting him. And this was a grail card for me for the longest time. And it's going to always be my favorite card in my collection. I was really particular with the one that I picked uh, cause I've been wanting this card for a long time and I'm super proud to own it. I actually got to meet Carly Stremski a few years back before the pandemic, uh, I don't think he'll be doing any more public signings. So that was a really cool thing. And he's been like my vintage baseball hero. So I, I love this card a lot and definitely had to show it for my three for three for people that haven't seen my channel. An iconic card. That was one of the cards like when I was a kid growing up in the 80s. Uh, something about that image, the, the design of the card that like it always stuck with me. And uh, th I have a copy of that myself. And that was one of those cards that like, you know, you'd see in the Beckett magazine or whatever, and um, you just can't forget it. It's just something something different about it, you know? And uh, yeah, that is a great card. That, what was that, a PSA 4? Yeah, it's a PSA 4, but it's got the coloring and centering that I want. And a problem with these a lot of the time is you'll get a print line down near his name, mm -hmm. and uh, this one does not have the print line, so really stoked with this copy uh definitely was really happy to get this uh my my mom pitched in for me to get this one so it definitely has a special place in my heart for sure great eye appeal you yeah. you know how to pick them man good job <laughs> all right you. let's go card number three card number three this is kind of just like picking kids when you tell me to pick three my favorite cards three cards on my want list that just never seems to end but this is a card that I think is just one of the best vintage cards ever created. I love the multiplayer cards. And in 1962, Topps did the manager dream card with Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. Mine's a little off center top to bottom, but I got this for a crazy good price. And just two of the most iconic baseball players to ever be on cardboard. 
It's a great picture. A lot of people say that it's Ernie Banks and Hank Aaron behind him. That's actually John Roseboro in the middle, the old Dodgers catcher. Um, but it's a really iconic card and one that whenever I'm flipping through, I always stare at a little bit longer than some of the other ones. So I wanted to show this off because I do like collecting multiplayer cards. And like Lou Rock says, off-center cards need love too. So this one is a really nice example of my collection. I'm with you, man. And you know, what's funny is um, that image was, that picture was taken at Fenway Park during the All-Star game. Yeah. So yeah, that, I, that's one of my favorite cards too. I, I'm a big multiplayer card guy. As long as the, as long as, um, you know, there's not like, uh, you know, those cards where there's like two, two legends and then like a, a no name or something like that, or, or a player that for whatever That's reason, even better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that, um, that manager's dream card is, uh, not, I mean, for what it really should be, it's pretty affordable. Like, like you said, you can get great deals on it. Um, yeah, definitely. I've always loved that that set too because the first set I remember opening was '87 tops. Twenty five years later, uh, so that with the wood grained um, design and everything, where you have that in '62 as well. So uh, I got a real soft spot for that card too. Good pick. Yeah. The wood grain can be a little polarizing in the community. Some people really love it. Some people hate it. But I just think it's so original. I, I, The only gripe I have with the manager's dream card is it doesn't have like the poster corner effect that the base cars in the set do. I think that would have been really cool if they had like the corner of the image look like it's a poster hanging off the wall like they did with the regular cards in the set. But it's definitely one of the more iconic cards from that era. Right. And you know, I, 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 there was something else I was going to bring up. Um, I think I just saw on one of your latest videos, are you putting together, is it the 65 top set? Yeah. So a couple months back, I was able to get a lot of a bunch of commons from 1965 tops. And when I was looking through, I realized a good amount of them were high numbers, which can be tough with the old sets. And 65 has been my favorite 60 set for a long time. I just think the colors and the pennants scream vintage baseball. So I've started putting that together. Um, my friend Jake at Legends Never Die gave me a whole spreadsheet of the checklist and how to like color code it and make sure that I'm not buying doubles. And I've been working on that set for the last like month or so quietly um, and hoping that I can finish it next year. Great set. Yeah. And you know what's cool about that is you know, on the first first issue ever of um, Beckett Baseball Magazine is the now Dr. Beckett's a huge Clemente fan, yeah. uh, but he put the 65 tops Clemente on the first issue. I always thought that was interesting. It's a great card, but I, I've always wondered, maybe I'll get a chance to ask him someday. Why did he choose that card? Why did he choose 65 over his rookie card or 56 or, or any of the other cards? Who knows? But maybe we'll be able to ask him someday. <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool to hear uh, hear more about that for sure. But that's definitely one of the ones that's on my list, the Clemente. Yeah. And I just got a copy myself. And it was uh, a nice SGC, was it five or something? Like nicely centered. Got some, no, SGC three, I think. But real nice centering. Got some corner issues. But that's how I like to buy that set. If you can find good centering. I don't really, you know, in a good picture, corners, whatever. And for me in that set and most sets. Um, but yeah, I was able, it was under, I think I got it for like 90 bucks or something like that. So I got a pretty good deal on it. 
Yeah, if you can get a nice copy of that for 100 or less, you're doing really good. It's a great yeah. card. Yeah. All right. So what I'm going to pull up here now, um, you know, and so these cards that, that Dom's going to tell us about that are on his want list, he sent me them uh, ahead of time. I asked him to just so I could have, have them uh, prepared. And uh, one of these is a card that when I saw it, I, I was like, what's that? I, and, and when I looked it up, it was one of those like, how did I never know about this set? How did I never know about these cards? Uh, so I love when I can um, find out about something new and it's happened a bunch of times already on these three and three. So we'll get to that. But let me uh, let me pull up the first one. This is not the one. Um, let me make sure I have it here. There we go. All right. So the card first card on on the want list is the 1954 Topps Al K-Line Rookie. Yep. This and, card uh, has eluded me. Uh, I tried to put it as like my number one want when I went to the National. And the prices, even on the raw ones, were just so high. I was looking for something between like a one and a three um, with nice eye appeal. And this card is just in that iconic 1954 top set. The Aaron with the boom has just continued to go up, even in like a one or authentic. And the Banks has shot up as well. But for whatever reason, the K-line has trailed behind the Banks, even though I think they're they're pretty equal players. And I actually prefer the, the color and look of the K-line rookie to the Banks. So I definitely need to get one of these soon because I have a feeling it's just going to continue to go up as this uh, – set gets more iconic beautiful card red background just everything about it is just a great looking card and uh all-time great player who i is i would say too is underrated historically um now this one here so when you when you get this are you going to look is this, is this a card that you would look maybe to buy raw and get it graded or would you go at, are you going to go after a graded copy already yeah, so I'm old school, um, partially just because of the way I was brought up financially, but also just how I am as a collector. I like to get the most bang for my buck as possible. So I actually don't spend money to send my cards out for grading. I will buy cards that are already graded. Um, if it's a bigger card like this, or if it's a case where I'm just getting the card for less than the price of grading in a slab, I will usually always buy those. But this is definitely a card that I want to get encapsulated and protected Something with good eye appeal in like that one to three range is kind of my sweet spot with 50s cards. If I can get a four, that'd be beautiful. But the way this card's going, I'm probably going to be in the one to three range for sure. Yeah, we got, we're looking at like, you know, a three right now is going for about 400, 420 bucks, like you see here. And then the I had uh, I had a four pulled up, PSA four, about 600, 600 plus range, something like that. So yeah, it's usually about a, this card, about a couple hundred extra bucks if you want to move from like a three to a four or um let's say if, even if let's just look at like a real quick we'll look at a two yeah so it's not a huge difference you another 100 bucks so yeah i think like you said the key is just going to be finding regardless of grade finding the right eye appeal that you're looking for yeah definitely and i'm looking forward to getting it yeah man all right so we got the next one i'm going to pull up this was the card this was the card that I guess I'm a little embarrassed, um, but I'm happy I know about it now. The 1967 topped Who Am I? Willie Mays card. And I got some questions here. Let's, <laughs> let's pull up. Uh, let's just pull up this one right here. 
So this this is a graded copy. We can now this is a high grade, but yeah, looks like a PSA eight just sold for uh, five hundred bucks. And I think that's a good price too. Um, yeah, for a PSA eight for sure. Tell me tell me about this set. Uh, was it it was it like an insert set that came in the the sixty seven tops, or was it a separate? Did it come in packs? I I don't know anything. Yes. Yeah, so the distribution from what I've read was that it was like a kind of like a subset because there's only four baseball players in it. Um, there's presidents like Abraham Lincoln, Shakespeare has a card. I'm pretty sure Queen Elizabeth's in the set, but there's four baseball players. There's Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Sandy Koufax, and Willie Mays. And this was kind of in the era that I love in the mid to late 60s when tops started just being really experimental with uh, some of their sets, whether it's the like Deckle Edges they did in 69, they had the stand-ups in 64, the Topps Giants is one of my favorite subsets in 64 as well. And these have a clue above them just to give you who it is. And what you're supposed to do is like a lotto ticket, take like a coin or something and scratch away the disguise to unveil the face. Um, so this is what the card looks like when it hasn't been scratched. And some collectors would want it exactly like this because this is how it came out of the pack. But I actually love the colors and the image of Willie Mays so much that I'm actually looking for a raw copy that has been scratched because I just love the color with the image of Willie Mays on it. But it's, it's a great card, and I think it's definitely undervalued being kind of uh, like an off-brand set with Topps was trying to be creative. Yeah, and let me pull up. Uh, there was a, there was, I'm with you. I, I would want to go with the scratched well you so yeah. you said you'd go with the scratch version yeah it's, i'm gonna be looking for a raw scratched version because yeah. it can get expensive with the unscratched high grade versions like you were talking about where i'm surprised it's only 500 dollars, but i've seen them sell for more than that yeah like this one here scratched looks you know good good condition uh centering good 70 bucks just sold so um yeah the, the now so the, this is probably an obvious answer but so yeah if you scratch these that's going to obviously make the card where it would get a no a very low grade or no grade. Like you can't grade the scratched ones basically. Yeah. I haven't seen a lot of scratched ones graded for the maze. Uh, the Bruce one gets scratched a lot. Uh, if they do a good job with the scratching to eliminate it, uh, it's still grades, but something like this, I, I don't need it to be slabbed. I just want a cool example for my collection. I just think that green color with the background and like the caricature image is just so cool. And Willie Mays is still with us, but getting playing days, Willie Mays cards, especially like some of the offshoots that you can get good deals on. I just think it's a no brainer to get stuff like this right now. Yeah. And I, honestly, as I'm thinking about it, I think I would like a version. I saw, I was looking at a few when you told me about this, and I think I'd like to get one. There's like a bunch that were like half scratched. Uh, I'd like to get, I don't even think I'd want a graded version. I, I'd run and get a uh, raw version that I could scratch the rest of. <laughs> that would be cool. That would definitely be a cool idea. Yeah. So, and, and just the, like you said, the four players, Mantle, Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, and Koufax. I mean, wow. What a four players they picked to put in that set there. Wow. Yeah, and those four cards sell for significantly more than the historical figures typically. Makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, that was a great one there. Uh, I, I'm sure, you know, it's probably something I should have known about, especially because I, the player, those are some of the players I collect, and it's in the era in the 60s that I collect. But 
it's weird. There's so many different types of cards out there that certain ones just, I don't know. I never, maybe I saw it, but I never, it never registered on eBay when I was flipping through, but now I've actually learned about it. And that's, I, I thank you for that. It's really nice to know about those. That That's what I love about vintage cards. No matter where your entry point is with it, there's just so many different issues to learn about. I'm learning about different sets and how they were distributed all the time, even though they haven't been printed for 50 plus years. There's just so much out there. Some of it can be harder to find or harder to get information about, but that's kind of part of the fun with the hunt. Absolutely. All right. So let me pull up the last of the three here. 1971 Tops Greatest Moments. Paul Yastrzemski. There's a good image. This is a graded version, uh, a PSA 5. Yeah, so this was actually a test issue that was released in like the New York area in 1971. And a lot of the Hall of Famers are double printed in the set, but Carl Yastrzemski, as far as I know, is not double printed. So this card in mid to high grade actually sells for quite a bit of money. But I've been looking, uh, having my save searches on eBay, trying to get a raw one, uh, just because you always get a better price with a raw one that just has decent condition. I know with the 71, the black borders can be really condition sensitive. So I don't want something that's too banged up on the edges, but I would love an example for this card. It talks about his triple crown season, which is kind of like his, his crown and career moment and it's just a really awesome card. I love the oversized stuff. I love some of these test issues and I love getting new Carly Shremskis that I don't have. So I've been on the lookout for this one for a while. Yeah. So these, now you said they were only distributed in the New York area. Yeah. From everything that I read is that they were a test issue distributed in the New York area. Oh, okay. I, I had heard about these, but yeah, another one that I really hadn't learned that much about. So man, you're, you're really, you're helping me out here. Two, two new things I'm learning. Um, now, wh when I do a test issue, do you know how, were they like, they just put, did they put them in certain packs or did they like, how did they distribute these? Yeah. So I, I've, I watched John Mangini's video about these as well. Uh, Cause he's just an encyclopedia of baseball knowledge. And even in his research and his video, the distribution is kind of up in the air about how those were distributed. Um, some people thought they're like in like one card per packs and they're just a really interesting, uh, sub issue. Like I said, in the late, uh, mid to late sixties and so forth, tops tried some different things. And that was one that clearly whatever experience they had in the New York area, they weren't selling a lot of it. So it didn't get a national release, but they're really cool cards that are kind of similar to the tops giants having a newspaper like back. Um, kind of talking about it, but unlike the uh, Tops Giants, they actually say like Boston Globe, like on the back of the Ostromsky one, which is like really cool on top of it. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if man, John Mangini doesn't know all the details, then uh, we sure as hell probably aren't gonna. So yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I, when I, I think it was like one of your first, maybe your first video that you ever put on YouTube and uh, you were talking about how like, you had been watching YouTube content and, and different channels for a long time before you actually uh, started making your own videos. Who are like some of your biggest influences? Yeah, so I, I've been watching for a long time. Kind, kind of like what I said about picking people's brains and trying to learn more and see more stuff. 
I eventually got into YouTube and started looking up some of the cards that I had or that I had seen at shows or players that I wanted to learn more about or collect. And I watched biographies and I started finding card channels. And some of the guys that are still making content today that were some of the first guys that I watched were Nate Tops 85401. Um, he has had his baseball card junkies channel as well as his solo channel running for a long time. I think he just had like his 12th anniversary uh, not too long ago. So he's been on here for a while and he's a wealth of knowledge when it comes to like 90s insert cards. But he would put out a lot of really cool videos on his Baseball Card Junkie channel about what the key rookie cards are and how to know about different print runs and where to look up and different resources. And that kind of stuff was like really helpful to me as a new collector. Uh, Ray from Philly was a guy that collects a lot of the same kind of stuff I do, prospecting for the Hall of Fame and collecting vintage and kind of team collecting as well on the side. So those are some of the guys that were kind of big influences for me uh, when I first started watching YouTube. Yeah, it's crazy. Isn't it crazy how long some of these other channels have been doing this? Uh, I mean, most of the channels that you see have been like, like mine, you know, and yours just, just popped up in the last couple of years. Uh, but yeah, there's some, there's some people that have been doing this for a long, long time. But that, that's a big part of the reason that I finally like took the leap and made my channel was, I wanted to start interacting with the great collectors in this hobby. Uh, Eric Four Leaf Cards says it best to collect to connect. And I knew that I'd be going to the national in Atlantic City because that's the closest national to me. And I wanted to kind of get more involved in the community instead of just watching videos and asking questions here and there. And I wanted to just start getting to know people. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did because this community is really awesome. Also, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Lou Rock mentioned you on his three and three with me. If you have any other channels that we, you know, haven't mentioned already that you think would be a, a person who would want to do a three and three in the future, please feel free. Yeah, so I got two channels for you. One is a little bit of a bigger channel, uh, and that's my friend Jake, Legends Never Die, that I actually name dropped. Uh, Jake's a great guy, and he was the first YouTuber I actually met in person at the National. And he's just someone that has a ton of knowledge. He's very opinionated with his raw cards. So don't be asking him what grade he wants stuff in when he's on. Um, but he's a great friend and someone that I would love to see you guys interact on here. So he's the first one. And then the second guy is a guy that I also met at the National. And I think his channel just does not have enough exposure. And that is Joe at Four Soft Corners really awesome dude he has a sneaky amazing collection he was pulling out his pickups from the show and he was blowing me away with the deals and stuff that he was getting and he just does not have a lot of subscribers on youtube really friendly guy that i think could use this exposure to kind of show off his personality and his amazing collection well th th that's another thing i love about the youtube community is the names you got legends never die and then four soft corners that yeah. is i haven't Discover, I knew about Legends Never Die. I've seen that uh, channel. Yeah, but yeah, Four Soft Corners, haven't heard, and I love that name. An obvious an obvious play on uh, the, the Four Sharp Corners. <laughs> yeah. I love that name. That's great. Perfect. Those are great recommendations. I'll reach out, see if I can uh, get them on a future three and three. That would be awesome. Absolutely. I think they'll be really good guests, and uh, appreciate you having me on. 
Yeah, Dom. Hey, thank you so much. And now that I know that you're uh, not, you know, not just baseball, but you're into the Patriots, Celtics, I would, I'll be reaching out because I, I need more people to talk football cards, some basketball cards, and especially, um, you know, Boston sports. So if you're down, I'd love to talk more about those in the future. Yeah, absolutely. You have my number and my line's always open. I, like I said, I'm trying to collect to connect. So talking sports, talking sports cards, I'm always open to it for sure. Awesome. And national next year, Chicago? I actually just booked my hotel last week. So I will be right. there and I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully meeting people like you if you're going as well as seeing some of the friends that I made this year as well. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to go. And if I do, it'd be great to meet you. So that's great to hear. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right, Dom. Thank you so much.